This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome back into Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. And guess what, folks? It's NFL Draft Week, and we got two of our experts from the Ringer. We got Danny Kelly. We got Benjamin Solak. And guess what, guys? We're in studio, finally. Not on Riverside, not on Zoom. It's great to see your faces in real life. Great to see you. NFL Draft, bringing people together. Beautiful event. It's about time. Let's run trips right now. Let's get out there. Let's line up, and let's talk about the NFL Draft. Because, uh, well, actually, before we get to the NFL Draft, let's talk about the biggest news in football right now. I'll start with you, Ben. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers, yep. he's here. He's in New York. Mm-hmm. I watched the video. He just walked into the building. A lot of handshakes, a lot of daps. Yeah. What was your first takeaway from the Aaron Rodgers experience in New York? The Robert Sala dap was very strong. Very strong. Talking about setting a tone. Loud. Culture, yeah. right? Yes. Loud, right? Exactly. Got that pop that you get, right, with the air between hands? Sounded like a winner. I, I don't want to read too much into <laughs> yeah, yeah. it. It's uh, The Jets painted themselves into a corner and made it very clear that mm-hmm. they needed Rodgers. He was going to be their quarterback. It affected the way I think the trade went down and the capital that got sent. But the long and the short of it is, they have a guy in the building, a quarterback, who won MVP in two of the last three seasons. It's a good day in the office. And they got right. great young talent on offense that's probably going to benefit from Rodgers' kind of veteran presence in terms of how they're going to run that. And then they got a great defense. Like the Jets are, the Jets were a quarterback away last year. And then they got a guy who was really good at quarterback for a really long time. And we look at it just from that level. Great news. Start looking at the contract and who Aaron <laughs> Don't is. Don't worry about and that yet. Kind of the way yeah. he behaves sometimes. It gets a little <laughs> bit more dicey, but keep it simple, stupid. Good for the Jets. Yeah, it's good yeah. for the, everybody in the building. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, right? He wasn't in the dab video. But Why he, is that? I, I don't know. That? Am I reading into that on. a little bit too much? Yeah, I don't know. Conspiracy. But... Maybe they they don't need him anymore now that they got the contract. It's like, boom, we got him. The Jamal Adams video. Throw the carrot away. We got the rabbit. He goes to slide the Jamal Adams ID. The door's not open. One of those moments. All right. So this happens. We're all excited. You know, Woody Johnson has his big moment. He got his guy. Zach Wilson, obviously, is going to push him in practice. He already promised that. It's going to be nipping at his heels. So that's going to be good. Um, But I have the question now. Does this move make the Jets actually, truly a Super Bowl contender? And I'll start with you, Danny Kelly. I mean, I think in the AFC, it's tough to say yes. Mm. But it gets them a whole lot closer. And I go back to last year, and it was kind of a joke, but it is a real thing. Like, when Zach Wilson was the quarterback versus anyone else, literally anyone else, put Mike White, Mike White in there, put whoever, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. The, the offense was legitimately like four times better than w- with anything that we saw with Zach Wilson. And I so, wouldn't say it was humming. You know what I right, mean? Like yeah. it was working, but it wasn't humming. But like statistically, any, any number that you look at, the offense was infinitely better with anyone but Zach Wilson. So getting a guy like Rodgers in who, like you said, he was he's 
a really good player. Even if he wasn't so great last year, he fought through some injuries. You know, he lost Devontae Adams. So I think this makes them a very strong contender in the AFC. I don't know if, if Super Bowl contender yeah. is really on the table at this point, just with, you know, with the quarterbacks in the, in the conference, it's tough. But yeah. that yeah. AFC top tier of Bills, Chiefs, Bengals. You don't get, get to get in that tier. How do you tier. get past those guys? Yeah, you don't, you yeah. don't get to get put in that tier. You just, like, go get a guy and, like, oh, you're up there. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. they're, I think the Jets are squarely at the top of that second tier of AFC contenders. Yes. Jaguars, Chargers, maybe. Yeah. Ravens, if Lamar's still there. Like, kind of like that grouping. But you can't put any team's name up next to Bills, Bengals, Chiefs right. until they've done what Bills, Bengals, Chiefs have done, which has been great for multiple seasons, compete in the playoffs for multiple seasons. That's a rarefied group. So they're plus 1,400 right now to win the Super Bowl. So if you believe in Aaron Rodgers and you think this is time for redemption, you can go get that in, get the money in right now. Is there a, another factor in this where, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but you know, I'm a fan of football. Mm-hmm. I remember Brett Favre going to the New York Jets. Is he chasing a ghost of Brett Favre a little bit? Why is he going to the New York? Why why did he come out of the darkness and choose the New York Jets? Is it because of the fit with Salah? Like, what was his reasoning behind it? And I'll start with you, Ben. Yeah, what was Aaron Rodgers' reasoning behind anything is a tricky question. It could be difficult to get into with a lot of a lot of veracity. I think that the Jets were just a very good fit for Rodgers at the time in terms of the talent that was there offensively. Mm -hmm. Garrett Wilson, obviously, they bring in Alan Lazard. Offensive line was shaky last year, but they dealt with a lot of injury. They do have talent there. Nate Hackett, like, it it made sense for Rodgers. Also, money-wise, it was going to work, right? Like, Rodgers kind of got it out there right after the trade happened. Like, oh, he's going to restructure his deal. He's going to help out with the Jets. I haven't seen updated details from the most recent details we have. Roger's still making money. Still doing well. <laughs> he was doing well for Roger, Roger's ain't, ain't losing too much. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see if there's if there's an updated contract. Regardless, I think this was just the best situation for Rogers. Right. And then I think on top of it, you go, oh, maybe I could be better there than Brett was. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's probably more of like a cherry, <laughs> oh, more of a more of a cherry on top than it does like yeah. kind of like an actual you know agent, actual motivator. And also another factor in this, I think a lot of people haven't talked about it. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers wears number twelve. We all know Broadway Joe wears number twelve. Retired. Yeah. Uh, Broadway Joe came out and uh, he had some comments, which is always, you know, you're you're sitting on the you know the edge of your seat a little bit. But right. he said, you can wear number twelve, Aaron Rodgers. Will he wear number twelve? Is that the expectation? Uh, he's apparently wearing eight. He's going back to the number he wore at Cal, which vibes are off. Mm. The vibes on the Sala gives me very much KD going yeah. and not wearing thirty five. The vibes on the Sala hand clap, great. Vibes on <laughs> Rodgers and eight, yeah. not as good. Conflicting vibes early on in the Rodgers experience, which is probably going to continue in the Rodgers experience. I will say, in the video that showed the dap, the dap heard around I the I love world, that we're all reading into the dap, because I'm right there with you. I he think, looked good. Yeah, like, he, he looked looks healthy to me. You yeah. know, maybe this this uh, darkness retreat really did yeah. you know, help him turn the corner, get rid of all the bad vibes from the mm-hmm. end, the, the, how things ended with the Packers. Maybe we're, this is like, it's all good for him. I think he found the light. Um, so, <laughs> I, you know, look, there's more questions than answers right now, as we both know. But do you think the Packers, let's flip to the other side. The Jets mm-hmm. are excited. They're celebrating. But do you think the Packers got enough for Aaron Rodgers? Because, like you said, two MVPs in the last three seasons. And it feels like, I mean, they got their first-round pick they wanted. But yeah. not as much as you may expect. No, I think they did get uh, a, a good return on it. The Jets, pretty early in the trade process, pretty much after Rodgers went on with McAfee and was like, I almost retired. The Jets <laughs> were like, hey, can we not trade a first-round pick for this guy? Yeah. And Stop the, Packer, the yeah. Packers held the line. The Packers were like, no, like this guy won the MVP. you got to trade a first-round pick. Right. And so you have uh, the swap of this year's picks, 15 and 13, which is fairly negligible. You got from the Jets a second-round pick this year, pick 42, which is a solid, important pick. And then next season, uh, a second-round pick that can become a first. And critically, the conditions attached to that 
are that Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps. In right. terms of conditional picks that get traded in the NFL, that's about as light as it gets. Like, a lot of the expectations in the reporting beforehand was, like, tie it to he makes the Pro Bowl, tie it to the team MVP, makes the playoff, or, tie yeah. it to he plays in 2024. Mm-hmm. To get just, oh, he has to play 65% of the snaps in 2023, really, really light conditions. Mm-hmm. That's functionally a first-round pick. Like, that's how you should prepare for it. Injury aside, it's going to happen. And so, to me, like, the, the Packers got solid return for the situation they were put in. Right. Very expensive quarterback only wants to be traded to one team. I thought they did a nice job handling it. Yeah, and they, you 100%. know, this whole you know conversation was about who had leverage, right? And it mm-hmm. felt like Aaron Rodgers when he went on McAfee's show, he basically took leverage away from everybody, including himself, right? That <laughs> yeah. was kind of the way I right. read into it, which is fascinating. And then looking at the Packers, they get the picks, they're happy, they're okay, they get rid of the disgruntled star in the building. Do they go for a quarterback in the draft, and then we can flip into draft talk? Is that something that we should be keeping an eye on, or do they love uh, Jordan Love? I don't. I don't think they're going to be in a quarterback market here. I think they, their plan has always been to develop Jordan Love and get him as the next quarterback in this class, in, or in their in their program, and like it's worked perfectly. You know, they they picked him and then. Didn't Rodgers win two MVPs after they picked him? Right. Yeah. right. They made him mad. Like, yes. Yes. That w- that worked perfectly. Great right. job. You yeah. got you got your quarterback to win two MVPs, and now you have a very smooth succession plan to Jordan Love, who you've been developing for three years now. Um, every time, or at least last year, when he was out on the field, he looked pretty good. Like, he was able to run the system. He clearly knows the offense. And so I think there's a very smooth you know, plan of succession here where they're just going to go right to Jordan Love, try and surround him with some pieces. Maybe that's is why maybe they will finally pick a receiver mm. in the first round um, after not doing it for decades. If I'm Rodgers, I'm upset about that. If they take <laughs> yeah, a receiver right. in the first yeah, round. Like that you asked, like, you ask, like, did Rodgers go to the Jets because of a Favre thing? Like, yeah, maybe. Will the Packers' offensive plans for 2023 be affected by Rodgers leaving? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you start Jordan Love, you draft the first round receiver, and right. then it works, and you wave at Rodgers in New York. Like, hi, look at this. Yeah, this, have yeah, fun. This went pretty well for us, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. we miss you at the country yeah. club here in Green Bay. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, speaking of quarterbacks, I mean, that is the conversation when it comes to this draft. I know, Ben, I had you on the show. We talked about the 83 draft and how amazing it was. We talked about the 2013 draft with E.J. Manuel, how not amazing it was. I've seen people compare this draft to the 2013 draft, but the dif- the difference is we have a lot of quarterbacks in this draft that are supposedly going to go in the first round, and there was a lot of buzz. It started on Reddit, I saw this, that uh, our guy, <laughs> Mr. It. Mayonnaise himself, Will yeah. Levis, uh, was up to be the, first, uh, the number one pick overall to my Carolina Panthers first and foremost I'll start with you Ben is that really possible is this is this something that was actually getting pushed out there to the world I'd be flabbergasted (laughs) I'd just be shell-shocked I don't think I think it's Bryce Young at one I think it's been Bryce Young at one uh r slash sportsbook did their work Congratulations to them. Congratulations to the random account <laughs> that said that Will Levis told him that he was that Will Levis's dad. I yeah. mean, who posted that? That's it what was, I want to know. Uh, Will Levis went from forty to one to about four to one on wow. most sports books. Yeah, and Fandle's dad went down to four to one uh, to go ahead and, and be that first overall pick. He's received a ton of small bets to be the first overall pick, but in terms of the big money, the big money is still on on Bryce Young. Mm. Levis, I think, is a much, much, much stronger candidate to go to to the Texans. 
or two to a different team or three to a different team, but I think he's the next quarterback off the board. Quarterback two, not quarterback one. That's still young to the Panthers. Yeah, so here we go. We got the draft odds for the number one pick right now. Bryce Young, and what, about four weeks ago, maybe a month ago, he was like plus 250. Mm -hmm. Stroud was a guy that a lot of people were talking about at number one. Mm -hmm. Right now, Bryce Young minus 1,400, which, you know, wink, wink, kind of says we know what the pick is there. Levis plus 800. Stroud plus 2,500. Anthony Richardson, who we all like here, plus 7,500. Will Anderson uh, at plus 20,000. So uh, (laughs) I don't think Will Anderson will be the first name. And, And as Bill Simmons told us he doesn't think he has the pop or the star power there so not gonna happen um thoughts on Bryce Young Danny Kelly when you Mm -hmm. hear Bryce Young you close your eyes you see him walking on stage number one pick to the Carolina Panthers playing for Frank Reich you know Tepper and Saban had this uh, meeting behind closed doors how do you feel about that pick does it make sense to you it makes sense I think in a vacuum, the fact that they traded so much to get up to the spot, it's a it makes me a little nervous. DJ Moore goes to the Bears, right? For, a lot uh, of future first and a second, or a first this year and a second, and then DJ Moore also. And so to me, that's a lot to give up to get a guy who is, if he makes it in the NFL, is going to be a massive, massive outlier. That's the one thing that makes me nervous. Like watching him play football, he's a very good football player. You know, he processes very quickly. He's very accurate. He's really good out of structure, making things happen when, when things break down. And, and he has great you know field vision, and, and he can do all that stuff that you want from a quarterback. He's, he's a really good quarterback. However, he's very small. He's outlier small. He's historically small for the quarterback position. So that just makes me nervous. You know what I mean? Like, I think he'll do well when he goes in there and plays, but you have to worry about the longevity, the durability, um, injuries. Are they going to stack up when a guy's 190 pounds? Like, this is a big man sport, and he's going to get hit, and that – worries me a lot we love yeah. shades of um mm-hmm. you know uh, everywhere when we do our draft guides here at the ringer shades of fran tarkenton and stephen curry was what you said danny kelly well, i right said jason kidd yeah i said oh jason I got, kidd I had a sorry different nba you, yeah, you um, and jason yeah. kidd i apologize yeah. i think the reason i it's on my mind is because i wanted to ask you ben why do we keep saying that he is the Stephen Curry of football. Yeah. Why can't we find a football player to compare him to? And I want to remind people at home, <laughs> Steph Curry's 6'3". Yeah. He is not 6'3". So what what is that conversation and how is that happening? Yeah, we compare uh, Bryce Young to Steph Curry because there's no quarterbacks to compare Bryce Young to. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like, go like, to other sports, right? Yeah. If you're like, you know, oh, yeah, this dish is delicious. The sandwich I had is so great. It's like, you know going on vacation like dude there's a lot of food like you use something right, there's right. just nothing to compare Bryce Young to right you say oh Kyler Murray he's not like Kyler like they they weighed in similarly at the combine but body type is look different. at Kyler yeah mm-hmm. Kyler's a squadier he's a thicker build it's easier for him to take on contact Kyler's a much better runner mm-hmm. he's not like Johnny Manziel right Manziel was another guy who was a smaller slider player but Manziel was a dynamic athlete Young is, is quick and he's like 6'1 yeah. right I mean yeah, Young like is four good. inches taller Young is quick he's twitchy but he's not the, he's not the, the runaway guy this is not a guy who, who can actually like break into the second level and create explosive runs and then he's not like russ because russ drops back there and then uncorks 50 yard moon shots that land into a bucket bryce jones got arm strength concerns he's not baker mayfield he's none of these guys that that you can like kind of say okay this guy's six foot two tens maybe he isn't like any of these players Mm -hmm. the stephen curry comparison comes and and i think just like all point guard comparisons make sense because young is a a wonderful understanding of of space and feel and timing he he feels like like a point guard running the pick and roll where he's just kind of ducking and dipping and leaning against and kind of moving and trying to create an angle and and create a lane and all of a sudden he fits the ball into a pocket you didn't think you could that that makes sense to me but it's it's worth remembering like well that's beautiful imagery it's helpful to understand young there's a reason we don't have another guy to bring up, right? Like, people talk about Drew Brees. 
Breeze was timing. Breeze was exactness. Breeze was precision. Young is all off script, uh, screwing around, create, like, uh, creating pressures, moving outside of the pocket. Like They are very different play style-wise. So again, it's good imagery, but we have to go into another sport because we don't have a precedent for Bryce Young. Doesn't mean he's going to be bad. means that when you draft him, you're out on a ledge. Mm, could, yeah. could be great. Could look like a genius. Could also look really dumb. And that's yeah. the risk of taking him one overall. I mean, to be clear, I've got him ranked very high. I, he's the number three guy on my board. He's a very good football player. But there's just a that's a huge risk, I think, taking an outlier guy like that in, yeah. you know, with after making that trade. You're yeah. threading the eye of a needle, man. You're yeah. really trying to window it with Bryce Young. And then even if you window it, five years from now he's taken so many hits and he's not a big guy. How is he still playing the same way? Can he still play the same way? Ten years from now he's taking so many hits. You also start to worry about the longevity of a player of this size playing in the league big people win football games and they win them for years and years and years and years and i'm yeah. bryce young you've got to be concerned with his play style the amount of hits he takes if he stays healthy long term i mean the good news is that he's going potentially to charlotte which is the home of mugsy bogues so hard over height right <laughs> yeah, we've seen yeah. a guy a small guy go and win in charlotte before so maybe he can hang his hat on that the other thing that i've seen a lot of people say about you know bryce in general is that the game slows down for him right that's kind of the trope that we hear well the, everything slows down mm-hmm. for him what happens if the NFL game speeds up? Because that's what I always hear when rookies talk about the game. Yeah, they say, right. the game's a little faster than I thought. I mean, is there a world in which this could go really bad? Yeah. Uh, when you are a short quarterback, you're destined. That hurt my heart as yeah. a, a panther. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you're a shorter quarterback, you're destined for a certain sort of play style. Again, Breeze is the exception that proves the rule because he was so good in structure, just ludicrously accurate, gifted player. But you look at Russ, you look at Kyler, you look at Baker. Short quarterbacks take deep dropbacks so they can see over the offensive line. That invites pressure. makes the job harder on their tackles. They struggle to throw over the middle of the field because they can't see the bodies that are there. Mm-hmm. So inherently you're thrown to the flats, you're thrown deep outside. That's why Kyler is all nine balls. Russell Wilson's all these deep moon shots, right? And then because you're that deep in the pocket, you're taking on that pressure, now you're scrambling. You're in second reaction plays. And you need more yeah. arm strength because you're, you're farther back and from you're the line throwing, of scrimmage. And you're yeah. throwing without you're throwing your feet platform. tethered into the ground, yeah. right? Because you're throwing under pressure and on the move. And so you have to use that arm more. So with Bryce Young, you are destined to a certain sort of play style. And I think Frank Reich can work around that well because Frank Reich is a excellent offensive coach. Frank Reich is just good at this. But he cannot run for Young. The offense he ran for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, the offense that he ran for Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis, the offense that he ran for uh, Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. You can't be running, all right, three-step from the gun, drop back, hit your back foot, timing over the middle of the field. It's not, it's not there. You can't have it. So because you're destined to a certain sort of play style – it becomes a, a, a fragile mold for Young. If he can't work like this, it's not like you can change things up. And like, all right, let's try to run the offense this way. He's very limited in terms of the style of offense that you can build around him. Again, if you thread the eye of the needle, you've got a special player. Right. Mm. But you got to thread that eye. It's difficult to do. Yeah, and if you're the number one pick, I think the expectation is that you will thread that needle and yeah. you will be the franchise guy. And he checks all the intangibles you know, That's yeah. why off the field. right? Yeah. And Nick Saban vouches for him and says – I've seen him go against big guys and practice every single day. He's going to be all right in the NFL. So those are the things you fall back on and say it's right. hopefully uh, good news. Speaking of quarterbacks that are you know kind of shooting up, maybe more prototypical, Will Levis. Um, mm-hmm. Off the field, I don't like what I've seen. Uh, the mayonnaise, <laughs> the banana, yeah, I, I, right. red flags for me. But I, I saw you talking about this, uh, Ben. You talked about like the prototypical guy that he might not be your quarterback, but he looks the part. Yep. Will Levis looks the part. What have you seen from him, and what is the ceiling for Will Levis? Yeah, when, when NFL teams talk about Will Levis, they talk about a player who was hurt a ton last year but kept going out there and was fighting. 
led the team, returned to school to play with, with, with a lesser group to kind of bring Kentucky up to the next level, right, to try to raise the elevate, elevate the program. They talk about the way that he prepares Monday to Saturday. They talk about, like, oh, he's got his days scheduled down to the minute, and he's, like, doing all this, this work off field to be good. They talk about the way that he commands the huddle. They talk about leadership. All of the trappings, all of the, the, the accoutrement, the outside stuff <laughs> of, being like a, of being a top quarterback. <laughs> Nobody ever goes – and he was really good at being a quarterback. Watch the tape. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you widen the scope, go beyond 2022 and get 2021 in there, he had Liam Cohn, who was then the Rams offensive coordinator, uh, as his offensive coordinator. He had Luke Fortner, an NFL offensive lineman at center. He had Wondell Robinson, second round pick of the Giants, a wide receiver. He had some NFLers around him. That looked like an NFL quarterback. It really, really did. Mm-hmm. Playing in an NFL-style system with NFL-style play calls, NFL-style route concepts. It's all very easily mappable into the league. As opposed to like a C.J. Stroud, who Ohio State quarterbacks have a bad rap. Ohio State quarterbacks don't work in the league. As opposed to an Anthony Richardson, who's you know Florida offense. He's scrambling, right? He's, he's running. They're running the option stuff. He's throwing the ball twenty yards downfield on every other attempt. Like that doesn't look NFL-y. Levis very much fits the traditional mold. Mm. And we talk about the the Panthers at one taking a risk, going to get young, taking that outlier. Generally, general managers want to take safe guys. They want to take guys who don't lose them your job. It's the number one thing. Number the, the second most important job for a general manager, win a championship. The first most important job, keep the job, baby. Yeah. Cash the check. Kick the can. Yeah. Hold the hold the job. <laughs> and Levis is not going to lose anybody a job because he's, he fits that prototypical mold of the NFL quarterback. Mm. Well, let's talk about C.J. Stroud, who probably doesn't fit that mold, as you just said. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Georgia tape looked great for him. You know, in the CFP, people point to that and say, see, he can do it. Right. I've seen him do it. Um, and he was a guy that a lot of people thought the Panthers might like at number one early on. Right now, he seems to be falling, if I'm reading between the lines. What do you like from Stroud, and what is the ceiling for Stroud? I'll start with you, Danny. I mean, I really like Stroud. He's my number one quarterback. He, first off, very accurate to mm. every level of the field. Um, I think that's the main thing. <laughs> he puts he, the ball where, like, only his receiver can get it, right? He was made to throw a football. Yeah. It's so pretty, dude. It's so I mean, and that's I wish you said important. this about Bryce Young. Like, like <laughs> yeah. Can we go back to him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the ball placement, he leads his receivers. Um, I think, honestly, he showed enough as a out-of-structure improviser to say that he can do that at the next level. There were several games. It wasn't just the Georgia game. Uh, the Northwestern game, it was super windy. He was able to do some scrambling and off-structure stuff. So I think there's enough there that he flashed that would tell me he's going to be able to do that. It's not like he's it's not he's not going to be like a Russell Wilson where everything is out of structure um, or Mahomes or anything like that, but he can do enough because you have to create in the NFL. You have to be able to do that when pressure comes, and I think he showed that. So to me, he has everything you want. I think the reason he's falling is, number one, he's not now not the favorite to go number one, and so people are saying, well, what's wrong here? Why is he, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And what did the, they see? There's to, a lot of talk about this yeah. S2 test that tests sort of like the quick processing and everything like that, which I don't know what to make of that because we don't have enough information on this test to really have any what am I supposed to do with this? We don't know what the test is. We don't know yeah. the history I, of the I test. I didn't know anything other than I saw the tweet, and I was yeah. like, that's that's bad. Right. But, yeah. And, it's, and that's <laughs> and that's why it's being presented that way, right? Is it's yeah. like, I guess two tests. Well, I don't know anything about this. And you see a list of scores, like 99, it's a bad 90, number. 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 18. You're like, that, that guy's number not good. is lower yeah. than the yeah. other numbers. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, he must be bad. Right. But yeah. like, if and you Brock look at Purdy it. scored well in the S2, which means it must be good at figuring out a good quarterback. We're there, baby. We figured it out. Quarterback evaluation done. Yeah. So the other thing I would say, like, on the on the opposing side he was clearly in a system that was going to help him put up numbers he had all these ridiculously awesome receivers like legitimately this is going to be the best receiver core he ever has in his career like Mm -hmm. by far probably 
um, because this is all, you know, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's probably going to be a top 15, top 10 pick next year. Um, yeah, another Why? probably first yeah, round yeah. pick. Uh, you know, so he's had he's had a lot of help where he came from. And so, um, you know, that could be looked at as a, as a downside. But like, I don't know, to me, he's got the size, the accuracy. You know, he's poised, confident. I like everything about him, honestly, other than this S2 thing, which is, uh, it feels to me like a red herring. Yeah, and it also feels like something that some front office maybe leaked to, right. maybe to they might like C.J. Right, Stroud exactly. and they you want him know. to fall to him, right? Yep. We we know this is a world of smoke screens. The draft is always crazy. Let's talk about another guy that I know you like, Solak, and that's Anthony Richardson. He's got all the tools, right? Yeah. I mean, he can wow you. You watch the tape, like you said, it doesn't look like it's scripted. It looks like it's off script. It looks like he's just making incredible athletic plays over and over again. What do you like about Anthony Richardson and what is the ceiling of a guy like Anthony Richardson I've heard Josh Allen I've heard Cam Newton yeah. sounds pretty good both. to me yeah, yeah. I, I like <laughs> both yeah fusion dance uh yeah Anthony Richardson man one of the first questions you got to ask yourself quarterback any position as a general manager do I get to draft this guy every year like is this guy like do I get one or two of them every year and when you get a 4-4 quarterback who weighs 240 pounds you go okay no this guy does not come out every year yeah. this mm-hmm. is this is this is an opportunity here and when you start to get into the film uh, 12 career starts, right? Got some raw, rough edges, got some rawness to him. Got accuracy problems, right? He had a 54% completion percentage over his final season. Okay, there's work here to be done. But I think that to present Richardson as a year away from being a year away, as, as, as a truly raw prospect, who's like a gamble, he's a shoot for the stars, a moonshot, would be incorrect. Like, if you, you, you watch the Richardson play on film. His, he doesn't scramble. He buys time in the pocket. He doesn't chuck mm-hmm. prayers into double coverage. He checks down. He's doing mature things. He doesn't know every single time he's supposed to do it, how to do it in exact timing, with perfect footwork, while making a guy miss. All of that that high-level quarterbacking stuff, all of the details that make the position so difficult, he's still getting there, still getting his head around it. He's still a young and inexperienced player. But there are moments in Richardson's film that are far more frequent, far more regular than, than, than are often presented that make him, to me, much more so ready to play in year one, have some bumps, have some bad games, but by the end of the year, really start to bring it together, much more so than like a Malik Willis out of Liberty last year. Even Josh Allen out of Wyoming was was rawer than Richardson is now. Trey Lance at North Dakota State went three overall, was way rawer mm-hmm. than Richardson is right now. And so Richardson, it's difficult to find the team for him. Uh, right now, like there's a lot of could take a quarterbacks when you get to Seattle at five, Detroit at six, the Raiders at seven, Atlanta at eight, Tennessee at eleven. We got a lot of guys, but it's difficult to <laughs> even find. the Patriots. You said yeah, may right? trade up. Oh, Patriots yeah. at fourteen. There's a lot of spots where somebody might be a quarterback team. So it's hard to peg where Richardson goes, and where he goes is so important because he does need development. But you put Anthony Richardson in a Detroit Lions uniform, mm. Ben Johnson, mm. Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jameson Williams. Yeah. You got a stew going, baby. I mean, this is a this is a <laughs> high level NFL quarterback if you bring him along just right. Yeah, and a lot of people like Anthony Richardson, like you said. I'm just we're trying to figure out who loves him, who's going to fall yeah. in love with him, and give him that opportunity to fail a little bit, learn a little bit, grow a little bit, all that sort of stuff. There's one more quarterback that could go in the first round, and uh, three of us were talking about this off-air. I'm excited to have this conversation. <laughs> He's Hendon Hooker, yeah. and a lot of people seemingly love Hendon Hooker, especially in the mock draft space. Mm-hmm. They love Hendon Hooker. They like the fit. They, I've seen you know, your mock draft that is 100% correct, Ben. You had, him, you had him going to the Vikings in the first round. Um, Danny, I'll start with you. Mm-hmm. What, what do you like about Hendon Hooker, and why do you think he could be a first-round pick? So, yeah, big arm. 
first of all. He's got a very strong arm. He's very aggressive. If you look at his numbers throughout his career, he is consistently pushing the ball downfield with aggression, but he does not turn the ball over. So that combination, aggressive downfield thrower with protecting the football, that's an attractive combination. Obviously. I like that. Yeah, so that that is something that I think we'll probably be pushing up. It's like frame-wise, he's the right size. Um, he could, he's got some mobility to him. He can run around, make some things out of structure happen. So I think traits-wise, there's a lot to like there. But where you start talking about the offense he played in, the fact that he's 25 years old, the fact that he's coming off an ACL tear, those are the things that push him down for me. Um, and, you know, the offense in Tennessee was just – he's not going to be able to play that offense in the NFL. Yeah. And so the question is projecting what he does best into an NFL uh, offense – and that's where I start to have major question marks about him. Mm. And talking about those question marks, uh, you have plenty of questions, Ben. What, yeah. what do you see? <laughs> what do you like about Hooker? We'll start there. We'll start positive, And then what are the questions that you have about yeah, him? Yeah, so that, that uh, same allure that you build around Will Levis, NFL size, NFL preparation, NFL personality, NFL leadership, like that's all there with Hooker. That's why teams like Hooker as much as they do. They talk with him. They put him on a whiteboard. They meet with him. And they go, this guy behaves the way that we've seen other NFL quarterbacks behave. This guy's got the right. stuff from a personality perspective. 50% of Hooker's film is not translatable to the league. 60% of Hooker's, 70%. A lot of Hooker's film in, in, in this in this Baylor vertical choice offense. Is the offense like RG3 ran back when mm-hmm. like Baylor was like winning national championships? This this is not a this is not a translatable offense to the league. So much of Hooker's film, feels like they just run four verts every yeah. single time. So much of Hooker's film is put the ball in the belly of the back, pull it out, stand in the pocket. He doesn't drop back, just stand and then wait to see where Jalen Hyatt goes. <laughs> right. And all right, he's going that way. You can't do it in the league. You can't. So you can you can look at the arm strength. You can look at the size and say, all right, like these are NFL caliber traits. But Hennon Hooker is a extremely old prospect who only started producing once he was way older and way more experienced than everybody else in college. Started producing once he had multiple NFL wide receivers on his team. Started producing once his offensive coordinator ran an offense that tends to like break college football. Like all of these are yeah. like. Hooker was not a prospect until everything coalesced to make him a prospect. He then he was productive and then got hurt. You mm-hmm. you can't have a larger collection of red flags on, on on a prospect's portfolio for a guy who might go round one. So if you like him, you like him, go ahead for it. It's a big risk. 26 years old, injured in a non-translatable offense. It's just way too many unknowns for me. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. You know, there's a lot of conversation now about, you know, sleepers, guys that could bump up into the first round if a, a hooker doesn't go yeah. in the first round. What, what are some of these teams going to do? You mentioned a name. This is one of my favorite sleepers. It was the guy catching all of his passes, right? Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Hyatt? And is there any other, you know, sleeper that you see that could bump up in the first round? I'll start with yeah. you, Ben. So Hyatt's tricky just because in the same way that uh, Hooker doesn't get to do what he did in the league. Guess <laughs> right. who also doesn't get to do what he did? <laughs> right. Jalen Hyatt will line up in, in a stack, right, where he's just two or three yards behind another receiver, and the receiver in front of him's job is just make room for Hyatt. Mm. And then Hyatt's job is just run. You just can't, you don't. Nobody runs stack releases like this in the NFL. So Hyatt's gonna have to get better at getting off press coverage to the line of scrimmage. He's high cut. He's a little bit thin. He doesn't have like a great NFL body. People thought he was gonna run like a four two. He didn't run a four two. So he doesn't have like the the 
insane world-ending speed. He's just got some speed. So I think he's a fringe round one player. It's not a strong wide receiver class, and he's a talented one. Uh, I'm. I think you're more likely to see in terms of like round one sleepers, uh, Adetamiwa Adabare, who's a like him. unbelievable tester at a Northwestern, 282 running in the four fours. That is a big man. That's a at first. High that's speeds. just a first round player. That yeah. young yeah. man's cooking. Uh, <laughs> and so Adabare is a great one. I like Matthew Bergeron, the tackle out of Syracuse. Not a sexy name, but a very strong player who can make it. Um, I'm trying to think of a fun one. Jameer Syracuse Gibbs had a good year one. too, right? Yeah. So there you go. It's some winning players there. Um, are there other wide receivers that you think yeah. could bump up there? I've heard some Jonathan Mingo talk at Ole Miss, mm. which this is not a yeah. class for big receivers. And Mingo is a guy who's got who's got a big frame, played out of the slot, had had production. So he's the one that you've heard. Hyatt's teammate Cedric Tillman is another really dynamic downfield receiver, bigger body, contested catch guy. And that's what we're missing in this class. This is the wide receiver class of Smalls. There's just Bryce Youngs everywhere, man. Like like Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Tank Dell, Darius Davis, Tyler Scott. Everybody is too Little small. Dudes. And so some of these bigger receivers, uh, Quentin Johnson out of TCU, who I think is going to go round one, and then Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee, and uh, uh, Jonathan May out of Ole Miss. Those guys I think are going to go higher than expected because they're the few big dudes in an otherwise very small wide receiver class. Yeah, it's a lot of slot guys, right? A lot of, And you can kind of talk yourself into which one you like the most. So it could be a Josh Downs. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of guys that you could fall in love with. Oh, Josh um, Downs. What school did he go to again? Oh, yeah. I love Josh Downs' yeah. tape. I'd go watch it if I were an NFL guy. Uh, is there? I know we were joking before. There's usually like a random center that just ends up getting drafted yeah. 21. Mm-hmm. Is there a guy like that that you see Danny Kelly? Like there's two guys. It, it, so, yeah, at the end of the draft, usually at the end of the first round, you see some random guys come off the board right. for whatever reason. And a lot of teams are just like, hey, we don't have a starting center, so therefore we're just going to grab a guy instead of trying to wait and make and get too cute about it. Last year that was Cole Strange with the Patriots. Kind of came out of nowhere. People weren't expecting him. That was last year, right? Yeah. yeah. Chattanooga. Yeah, Nuga. <laughs> and so this year there's two guys, Joe Tipman and John Michael Schmitz. Are the two kind of Great names, names like just <laughs> his name is my name too? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So, um, you know, obviously, people aren't really probably paying much attention to the center class this year, mm-hmm. but those are two sort of names that you could see sneak into the first round um, as a surprise. Mm, I like that. Um, is there any you know because we have free fallers that happen all the time in the first yeah. round? Is there someone that is projected top ten that you could see? falling just because the fit isn't there or, or maybe some of the pub coming into the draft. I mean, we've yeah. had plenty of examples. We're over at years. this. The, the best time of year is this week when there's about 20 players going top 10. Right. And Giro's looking at it going, oh, I can't pick two players here. How am I going to get all these guys where they're supposed to go? Uh, I think CJ Stroud's a potential to fall out of the top 10. I think Anthony Richardson is a potential to fall out of the top 10. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like the offensive tackle class is going to go very high. Paris Johnson out of Ohio State, Peter Scronsky out of Northwestern, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. All these guys can be top 10 picks. So I think they're going to bump out the quarterbacks a little bit. The other position that I think I could struggle to get in that top 10 is the corner position. Devon Witherspoon out of uh, Illinois has long been projected a top 10 pick. I think he still makes it. Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon might be the odd man out. Where like he's been just, oh, yeah, chalky. He's going to go like eight for like five months. And now we're here like two days later, and everybody's like, yeah, he's just going to go eight. It's like, we haven't actually heard anything new about Christian Gonzalez in <laughs> right. ages. Are we sure? This is the draft yeah. process, right? Yeah. This is the draft cycle is we yeah. – we ride the roller coaster of guys' hype, and yeah, I've been surprised that you've been saying the, yeah. the Gonzalez thing because I think he's just such a well-rounded player. He tested out of like through the roof. He's an extremely athletic guy, has good size, good length. Yeah. Last year we saw two guys, two center or two corners going the top five, right? Yeah, and we saw it, uh, and we saw success, right? I right. Mean, for yeah. those guys. I mean, Sauce and was like that he was... changed the defense for the Jets, and right. so I'm like thinking maybe this will push guys up this year. Before that was J.C. Horn at eight for the Panthers, and then Patrick Sertan at nine right. for the Broncos. Right. We typically see corners go top ten, and I think that was just kind of presumed. I still like 
Gonzalez people have been quiet on him, maybe because they don't want anybody to yeah, take him. Like, you know what I'm There's always yeah. that possibility. Yeah. The last guy who I would say is sliding a little bit is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's mm-hmm. long been the wide receiver one this class. He's out of Ohio State. Excellent player. Very fun to watch. Very talented. Not huge. Not mm-hmm. super fast. Not super dynamic. Not super elusive. Not a blocker. Just jack of all trades, master of none. Just a solid player. Gets open. That doesn't get drafted top ten. Yeah. Right? And, 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 and it feels like he's going to be a number two guy more than a number yes. one guy. So it's hard to talk yourself into taking a number two right. guy in the first It's like, round. oh, we could play him on the outside, but we usually like our outside guy to be bigger. And we could have him, you know, be like a slot for us. But we usually like that guy to be quicker. Or maybe he's bigger than he blocks for us. Like, he's just always not a perfect fit. So you've heard him mentioned 13 to the Jets, which is now the Packers pick. You've also heard him mentioned to the Packers when they're at 15, yeah. now at 13. You've heard him mentioned to the, the Patriots at 14. That kind of like top 15 range has been hit for him a lot. I'm not sure that's actually where he lands. I think there's a chance that he falls a little bit and the wide receivers kind of go more in a cluster around 20. Well, guys, we're here on FanDuel TV, so we have to talk about the FanDuel Sportsbook and talk about some props. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like to bet the NFL draft, right? There's Imagine. a lot of <laughs> Yeah, who would have thought? Who, who a lot of like maybe, you know, the, maybe us, who knows. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of guys uh, that are out there that are excited, and our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook have some great prop bets for the draft. We want to talk about a few of them. First up, the line is four and a half for the number of quarterbacks taken in the first round. We talked about some guys slipping we talked about the five quarterbacks who were under consideration mm-hmm. what do you yep. guys like over or under I'll start with you Danny Kelly I'm going under mm. even though I think there's a lot of steam right now plus 164 for, for like under. yeah so it moved it, it was a lot more even and now it's moving to the over and to the over and to the over and to the over I think we're probably at the point where it's gone too far and it's time for the under mm. two weeks ago over, 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 over. <laughs> right. Now we'll see. We jumped the yeah. shark officially. Yeah. Hendon Hooker is minus 250 to go round one. And that's pretty much what this market is. is right. It's fundamentally asking, does Hendon Hooker go round one, yes or right. no? Because uh, the other four are going. And so how much do you trust the Minnesota Vikings to go get Hendon Hooker? This is your question that right is, here. That's the question. The Vikings yeah. have been most strongly connected to Hooker, but there's a couple other teams. The Lions, Titans, the Seahawks, Lions. Titans. Um, yeah. I think if you don't see him go off at 23 to the Vikings – you could see potentially a team trade up into the first round to take him because you get the fifth-year option on that contract, and that's generally why you see fewer quarterbacks go in the second round. Um, the adage is basically, like, if you have a second-round pick on a quarterback, take him in the late first because then you get that fifth year, and you get to save a lot of money if he turns out to be a good player. And so I can see it, but also, you know, for every reason that we talked about with Hennon Hooker, I'm not sure teams are going to be convicted enough to, like, really make that trade and and, and – and be that aggressive to come to the first round. Is there a team that maybe, you know, we get into that early 20s, mid-20s, late-20s, and let's say Richardson or Stroud, I mean, even Stroud, mm-hmm. we've seen guys fall. Yep. I mean, I remember Brady Quinn right. sitting there, right? I mean, Lamar Jackson recently, year. right? Yeah. We've seen that. Is there a team that maybe says, okay, well, we weren't planning on this, but now that they're here in this range, we're willing to trade back into the first round and make a big swing? Yeah, I would say the Raiders are the one that immediately pops to mind. Mm. Raiders are perfectly— Poor Jimmy G, yeah, right, right when he just gets and that's the thing is, every year. They're <laughs> fine to roll with Jimmy G, and they're sitting there at seven, and they might, okay, we, we like this guy. Like, the Raiders, it was reported, tried to trade up for one. So the Raiders definitely like a quarterback in this class. But if that guy's gone, then you stay at seven, you take a tack, you take a corner. Raiders need everything. And so the Raiders are a great team to just hang out and pick. But then all of a sudden, right, if a quarterback starts to fall and you start to think, all right, we do need a future after Jimmy G, and this guy's falling more than we expected— Raiders are the first team to come to mind. The other team is the Titans. Mm. Every, the Titans are trying to trade up for a quarterback. Like that's been like mm-hmm. for a while now. You know they were like, yeah, we're keeping Ryan Tannehill at the combine, and then ever since then it's been like, can we get up and get well, a guy? Right. His his contract is almost up, right? And he's yeah. got like a massive cap hit this yeah. year. So they're sort of trying to figure out ways to get right. out of this. So the Titans are another team at eleven could trade up the same way the Raiders at seven might try to go get a guy, or they can come to the top around two. The wild card here is Trey Lance. 
every team yeah. that's thinking about trading that early second round pick you'll get a quarterback at the end of round one is also going to weigh the value of okay if we're trading a day two pick for a quarterback do we like this guy more than we like to trey and in the titans specifically their current general manager the new guys ron Car- ran carthen who was with the 49ers when they drafted Trey Lance. And so Lance is that wild card that you might want to trade up for a guy if he falls, but you also might want to kick the tires on Trey Lance. By the way, Trey Lance is 22. Yeah. And Henry Hooker is 25. going to be 26. So this is, again, this is the— It's giving me Brandon Whedon vibes. He's not quite there. I think Whedon was 28, 29 at that point. We're getting up there. there. I I want to throw out uh, another Dark Horse team potentially taking a quarterback. The Rams? Oh yeah, Ooh. no. Trading very, up? Yeah, they've, they've talked about it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been rumors. I believe if I'm looking at this correctly, they have an early second round pick, and so they could be the team that just decides. Look, we don't know if uh, Stafford's arm is going to be okay in the long term. We're it's already rebuilding. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, and let's see who's there. And especially if you have like a guy that you know maybe checks some boxes for Sean McVay, he says, "Let's take a swing and see what happens." So I like that. Uh, another prop we have here is Hendon Hooker to be a first round pick. FanDuel, the prop right now is at minus 250. Yep. Um, so it seems like all signs are pointing to Hendon Hooker going right. in the first round. Shout out to Mike Tannenbaum. He was on top of this. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, like, if you're looking at the markets, and, and right now over four and a half quarterbacks is minus 225, and Hendon Hooker to go first round is minus 250. So smart better just take over four and a half, right? Because you're having to pay a little bit less juice, and you're getting functionally the same bet, which is, is Hendon Hooker going round one, yes or no? A lot of spots for Hooker. PFF's Chris Collinsworth put him at 31 to the Chiefs. I don't think that's sure, happening, sure. but he got in round one, and so we're all right. I think, yeah, Hooker, at this point, I expect him to go round one. DK's, ah, I'm just DK like can't get there with me. For no reason whatsoever, just my <laughs> stubbornness, I'm like, he's not going to be a first-round pick. But everything, all the indications <laughs> this last week is that he's going to be a first. Yeah, to pick. break the fourth wall for everyone at home, I feel like Solak, you're like you're, you're you're on the phone, you're making the calls, you're getting like the vibes of what people are yeah. saying, right? And Danny's like, I'm coming straight from the gut a yeah. little bit here, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, which I, which is what we want. Yeah. We right. want we want that mix, and yep. that's a beautiful mix and match. But Hinton Hooker, right there, minus two fifty. Another name we haven't talked about, um, and he's a big one because it's a position that's been kind of cast to the side. Obviously, running back uh, Bijan Robinson yeah. um, is the guy out of Texas. Right now, the line is at 12 and a half. Uh, the over is plus 120. The under is minus 160. We've seen him in a range from 8 to 12. Some people have him fallen a little bit. Ben, where do you see Robinson going in this draft? I think I think 12 and a half is a good line to hit the under on. You're mm-hmm. getting under that the Falcons at 8, which have been the highest connected right. Bijan team. You're also getting the Eagles at 10, which have been really connected to Bijan as well. But critically, you're getting the Titans at 11, who I don't think the Titans are going to take Bijan, but they've talked about trading Derrick Henry. And this team loves to run the football. Yeah, Yeah. and so if they trade Derrick Henry and they plug and chug Bijan Robinson back in there, football nerds everywhere will be screaming. (laughs) The Titans are going to be in their draft room like, yo, we killed this. This is awesome. We're so good at this. (laughs) So the Titans, it's a non-zero percent chance. And then finally the Texans at 12. Texans need everything. Uh, And and if the Texans Mm. are in a position where they might actually pass on quarterback at two, then they're going to use this pick 12 to try to trade up and go get a guy. But if they get quarterback at two – Bijan is very, very high on their board, and they need him. Damian Pierce is good, but ain't ain't no Bijan Robinson. And so that's also – you're getting two two really important teams in the Titans and the Texans as a little bit of insurance. I like under there. Mm, Mm -hmm. I like that too. And do you you think Robinson comes in and starts day one? Is he that level of good? Is Saquon Robinson's going to get like the fifth, eighth most carries in the league. Like at this point, he's going to be used as a bell cow immediately. Like he's going to be used touches in in the passing game on third down. Yeah. The moment the offensive rookie of the year odds open – 
I will be taking Bijan Robinson pretty much independently of where he ends up. If he ends up the Eagles. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the way, not only is he a very good runner, I think he broke the PFF record for broken tackles um, forced in his career or in, in, in just this last season. Yeah. Wow. And not only that, he is very good in the passing game. They're using him on vertical routes like up the seam. There's one play in particular where he like jumps up and reaches behind him and pirouettes. Yeah, he's got great him. hands. Like yeah. he's very yeah. natural pass catcher. Yeah, so, young man. Um, you know there are the Christian McCaffrey parallels in terms of like ways that they can use him. And so, um, from a fantasy point of view, like he's probably going to be a first round pick in fantasy drafts. Like regardless yeah. of where he goes, this guy's the guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's going to get volume. And is he the only running back we'll see in the first round? Is there another running back that we see on the board? So Alabama's Jameer Gibbs is expected to be a first-round pick. Yeah. I think he's about minus 180, minus 220 on FanDuel now. He was minus 180 yesterday. Not that I know that for any reason. <laughs> uh, he uh, the There's there's reporting from Todd McShay of ESPN that there are some teams that like him more than Bijan Robinson. I don't know Doubt about that. that. Yeah. I think that's just the team that's going to take him in round one being like, yeah, we like him as much as Bijan. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. But he uh, he's a great candidate to sneak in the end of the first round. Like I said, he's he's, he's favored right now. And he is talented. He's good back. Well, no, no Bijan Robinson. But he, he's solid. You have the uh, the Bengals and the, uh, and the uh, Bills both at the end of round one who have some legitimate running back uh, uh, needs, mm-hmm. some connections there. The Bengals have Joe Mixon only under contract for one more year. They need mm. a transition plan there. The Bills really like James Cook, but like you know, it was a second-round pick. You can't right. put too many eggs in that basket. And then finally, the same team we talked about at 10 with the Eagles and Bijan Robinson is picking at 30 <laughs> where Jameer Gibbs might go. And so if they don't get Bijan at 10, then your next running back opportunity is at 30. So there's a few teams there at the end of round one that just make sense for a back. Yeah, there's uh, there's one team, and you mentioned the back, Derrick Henry, and you mentioned the Titans. Uh, is, is there any world in which, you know, Tannehill's contract, that whole thing, mm-hmm. is there any world where Mike Vrabel, who has a soft spot for Ohio State, C.J. Stroud starts to fall a little bit, and he says, we want to be in the C.J. Stroud business. We yeah. want to make a big move here for a quarterback. Is that possible? 100%. Yeah. yeah. The, Easily. The, the, I always end up connecting the Titans to Anthony Richardson because he's huge, and they're the Titans. Mm-hmm. We like big players. And the uh, CJ Stroud because he's a Buckeye and like that might sound simple that 100% matters if the, if the Titans draft CJ Stroud I promise you in the first 20 words of Rabel's press conference <laughs> he will say the word Ohio State yeah. like, guaranteed who at least it, say the the Ohio State exactly mm-hmm. so like, it, it, it absolutely doesn't matter and he's also gonna have the connections to that program so there are some teams that are like we're worried about Stroud's personality worried about his his processing his s2 test he'll have all Vrabel's the, yeah. right Vrabel's gonna be getting it from the Ohio State guys like this guy's the man like you know what I'm saying he was awesome yeah I don't think stuff. Vrabel cares about the s2 test yeah, if no. I had to guess I'm not <laughs> yeah. I, I would think he does Vrabel, Vrabel's that. a cut of the gym guy <laughs> yeah. tell me about the cut what's, what's the cut of the gym was it wasn't like we strike when you land hands the, that's how he goes the thing with the Titans I think that makes it interesting and I do think they could go I I've even like imagined scenarios where they trade up for a quarterback mm. um just because they're sort of at a this is a pivot year for them I, this is they're essentially tanking but if they could like make that quicker and get this quarterback now and then start to build around him um i think that could be something they want to do and then the other thing that's interesting is like they signed andre dillard in free agency Mm. he's not like a power tackle he's a finesse guy and and pair that with like the fact that derrick henry's getting older he's not really going to be a part of their plans long term like they may be just changing their their philosophy their identity on offense they're not going to like they're just Derrick Henry is a one-of-one player. They design their offense around him, and that makes a lot of sense. But with Derrick Henry on the downside, now he's a little bit older, maybe they're going to go to a more pass-heavy, wide, like spread-things-out type of offense. And 
So that could be sort of another reason that they decide to take a quarterback in this class. Yeah, another uh, – before we, we get out of here, i got a couple more questions. I want to ask about the Texans at two. I feel like that's where everyone says that <laughs> yeah. the draft really starts at number two. We're going to yep. see what the Texans do. We have a chance that we could have the first uh, teammates drafted back-to-back one and two since 2000 when Penn State had that. LeVar Arrington yeah, went number yeah, yeah. two. So um, that that conversation is in play. Do we – do we right now, as, as we get prepared for the draft, do we expect to see Bryce Young? Will Anderson, one and two. The Texans go with the defensive end. Do we expect that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I put uh, that yeah. in my mock draft, so yes, I expect <laughs> yeah. that. Okay. However, I'm losing confidence by the minute. <laughs> wow. Because Tyree Wilson is getting a lot of steam right now as the number two pick. Yeah. Could potentially be the Texans guy. He's a little bit bigger, longer, like wingspan. Maybe they see that as a guy with like more upside. I don't know. I don't see it personally, but. Um, I think they should take Will Anderson at that spot, but there's also a lot of Will Levis buzz yeah. happening for number two. Here's the thing about not taking a quarterback <laughs> at two: it means that Davis Mills might start for you again, right? And that's a hard a situation with that. to commit yeah. to. Yeah. So the read on, on Houston is that ownership is putting pressure on them to take a quarterback at two. The GM Nick Casario thinks that he can pass and then maybe get a guy with twelve, you know, trade up, whatever, kind of manipulate the the draft and get get the guy two for one. But that's that's tricky. That that that's a lot of gumption. If yeah. you're gonna pass on two and then go get a guy with twelve, that's hard to do. You got to remember the Texans were sitting pretty in December. We got the first overall pick. We're gonna go, <laughs> go get us a Bryce Young, and then Lovey Smith said, "No, no, no, not so fast." Think, yeah, multiple fourth one last conversion. play for yeah, Lovey. Exactly. And then the Texans, <laughs> the Texans tried to trade up for one when the Bears had it. Couldn't get that done. And then the Panthers got the pick. I was like, "Oh, they're taking C.J. Stroud." And the Panthers, the Texans went, "Cool, we're sitting pretty. It's gonna be Bryce Young. We're gonna get Bryce Young at two. And then that plan fell through. So it's been a long sequence of plans falling through for the Texans. So for me, I, I, I struggle to believe that they're going to pass on quarterback at two. And if they do take a quarterback at two, it's Will Levis out of Kentucky. That's is, my expectation. Is there a chance that – you mentioned Trey Lance. Is there a chance yeah. that Ryans, who knows Trey Lance well, just came from that environment, says, I think we got a quarterback in San Francisco. Why don't we try to package this pick and go get him? Yes, 100%. And that's why, like, if they pass on quarterback at two – how did you get that decision across the line? How did you commit that way? You probably have a Trey Lance deal in your back pocket. So, all right, at 12, we're going to try to move up and go get Will Levis or go get C.J. Stroud. And then if that falls through, you press the big red button and Trey Lance is, 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 is a Houston Texan, which feels a little better. This is <laughs> not feel a lot better. This is a perfect example of why this draft is so impossible to predict, it feels mm-hmm. like, because not only are we unsure what's going to happen after pick one, and, I mean, we're pretty sure what's going to happen at pick one, but not 100%. After that, who knows? And there's these two other dominoes that could fall in Trey Lance and maybe Lamar Jackson, by the way, who mm. still isn't under contract for the Ravens. And so there's all these other. He just tweets like cryptic right. emojis like, every day, and I try to read between the lines. And I'm right. like, I, I'm like, I think Lamar is excited about. All I would Baltimore. do, all is I would good? do if I, I was know. a pro athlete would just be to schedule random tweets for random right. times in the future just with eyeball Bob. emojis yeah. and three gifts, siren emojis, and then just forget about them. Right. And then four months later, I tweet out eyeball emojis and I dominate the news cycle for a day. Yeah, elite. I'm think, on a beach somewhere. Yeah, I think you tweet "stay tuned" dot dot dot, and then you delete Twitter for three months. Yes, absolutely. You delete all, all indication that you follow the Raven. Like nothing better. Follow, unfollow, Nothing better. Think about how long it takes to wipe all the team information too. It's commitment. Yeah. I always appreciate it. You better hope they have a social media manager. Yeah, exactly. Um, one last thing: the draft is on Thursday night. You guys are going to be here in studio mm-hmm. watching it and reacting, doing a podcast, all that sort of stuff. Um, but let's forecast to the future. We like to do this. We love potential. Is it time to start the Caleb Williams Drake May watch right now? Is, is it tank for Drake? Surprised season? you said yes. Caleb before Drake. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm trying impressed. to I'm yeah. trying to be fair and balanced yeah, yeah, here. Right, you right, know right, what yeah, I mean? Justified. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, like, NFL teams. 100%. Yeah, every, it's time. Yeah, every year, NFL teams scout next year's quarterback class. And very mm-hmm. often, not every year, but very often, they say, wow, next year's class so much better. So excited. Can't yeah. wait for next year's class. And they're like, wrong half the time like oh, exactly. weird stuff happens yeah. during the season yeah. right like right. guys will end up not being nearly as good as everyone thought yeah exactly and so like this is a, a common trope the nfl says we're so excited for next year's class and you have to take it with a grain of salt this year they got a good point they got a this little, time it's yeah, different this yeah. is a good class yeah. but man caleb and drake like especially caleb i apologize but man yeah yeah like th- this class is a solid quarterback class, but there's no guy at one. Like we talked about the issues with Young and with Stroud and with Levis and with Richardson. There's it's hard no, to poke holes in those two yeah, guys. There's no, exactly. There's no Trevor Lawrence and there's no Andrew Luck. We'll poke holes in them. We, we'll, we'll get it. <laughs> we'll the draft holes. process is long. We will poke holes in them. <laughs> 370 days. But when you give them a cursory glance, man, I mean, Caleb looks like he could be really, really, really special. And that's going to impact some of these teams that don't get the quarterback they want. They're going to say, well, you know what? Be top, next year, taking top ten next year, and we'll, we'll, we'll check back in with you then. That's what the Texans may be doing here. Nah. Is like we're not, we lost out on the uh, Bryce Young thing because because of the we won that game at the end of the year, and then we couldn't trade up, and now they're just gonna. I, I have this like feeling that they're just gonna rage, not pick a quarterback. They're just gonna rage pick defenders or whatever. I like and, it. And build go, a defense. Yeah, and then next year, like they can have a better support system for whatever quarterback they end up with. That's obviously a huge risk because you don't know if you're gonna get the first pick, and whoever gets the first pick likely needs a quarterback and is not going to trade that pick but um maybe they just feel so upset about missing out on Bryce Young this year they just decide to kick it down the road you know and and see what happens next year yeah that's my favorite thing to say when it comes to the NFL draft there's always next year right there's always time for next year uh he has been Solak he is Danny Kelly they are going to keep you up to date all things uh NFL draft this is through the ringer and we will be back on the other side of this with Van Lathan to do a little prop culture This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, joining us back in the studio, you know him well, Higher Learning's very own Van Lathan. Van, we're talking succession again. This is going to be a fun one. Spoiler alert, we got a new episode just came out. Um, And my first question to you is a simple one. Will France make it? (laughs) We don't give a <laughs> okay, that, that's America. That's that's our audience. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of questions, a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations, right? And now we have a you know we have a character that has gravitas again, right? We have Madsen. We're gonna have the whole setup with Kendall and Roman. And I feel like the first meeting between these three kind of set the tone of the episode. Um, and this is a new age without Logan. What were your takeaways when you saw that first meeting? You saw how they handled it. They're now the guys. Yeah. Uh it was deeply, deeply, deeply troubling to watch those three people communicate. One guy is so obviously on another level, mm-hmm. right? Like it just, 
every time they would have a back and forth, just one of the most deadly lines I've ever seen in any show ever is when he looks at them and goes, you guys are a tribute band. That is crazy. Do you understand how that encapsulates the feeling? I went to this performance of this band one time and they were called the Cops. It was a police cover band. And the guy sound, sounded exactly like Sting. And I went to this whole spiral of thinking, if there were no Sting, this guy would be Sting. Think about how his life would be if there was no actual Sting. And then I came back to these guys and I'm thinking, might they be awesome if they didn't have to live up to Logan? And I thought about the way that line contextualizes every single scene that they're in with him because we're watching them, but we're watching the ghost of Logan Roy even more so than them. They can't get past it. We can't get past it. And everybody in the room knows it. So it's almost excruciating watching them be little brother, like little Boyd, in front of this guy who built everything himself. It's like almost like they're talking to their dad. Mm-hmm. And it was also, I thought, the the way that the episode started, like, you know, kind of tipping back to the first pilot where it's Kendall, he's going to work, he's listening to music, right? He's listening to Jay-Z, yeah. and he is the man, right? He is the leader again. And we saw it in the first episode because Logan is sick, and he's going to the office, and he's like, I'm head honcho. And it feels like it reset that same moment. It's obviously same but different. And then he gets back in the situation. He's you know, talking to Hugo, he's leaking some things to the press. Obviously, Roman is not privy to some of that stuff that's coming out, but Shiv seems to be on top of it, right? There's all these moves that are being made to say, okay, Kendall, that that kind of that, that glimmer in his eye is back where he sees the throne, right? He sees the prize. Now he's sitting on the throne, and it seems like he's feeling it a little bit more, and so much so that him and Roman are kind of making their own decisions, right? And they're saying, let's tank the deal. Yeah. Let, let, let's let these guys flounder and let's keep doing the job because guess what we're, we're kind of good at it we kind of like it how much is that fascinating and how much are you buying into the fact that these two guys might end up and we'll talk about the props but they, they look like they don't want to be interim they want to just do this thing and run this thing like they're the guys nobody wants to be interim <laughs> every single coach that's had the interim tag placed on him goes man if I can just get a four-game winning streak. It's up. Maybe they'll give me the yeah, job. Yeah, Jeff Saturday in the NFL this Jeff year. Jeff Saturday. Remember Ed Ogeron? <laughs> right. Ed Ogeron gets the interim job over at, I think it was at SC, mm-hmm. and they start playing well. And um, and then it's like, are they going to hire him? They didn't. And he came down to Baton Rouge, and, you know, the results were mixed. High highs, low lows. But, it, but you got a championship. But you got a championship, not right. just a championship, the championship. Don't get me started in here, Tate. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, no, so to your point, the moment that Kendall was able to successfully navigate uh, and position himself as the leader of the company, I knew it would be hard for him to give it up because this essentially validates him uh, in a way that his father never did. Mm. Like his father never thought that it was that Kendall was worth or Kendall had enough moxie giving him the job as the oldest guy. But the fact that he was able to get it and even the brilliant, brilliant narrative device of having that line where you're not sure whether it's through his name or under his name. <laughs> the reality is, as an audience, we probably think he's been crossed out. But Kendall always believed in the back of his mind that he would someday be underlined. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he underlined himself. And now, of course, they don't want to give it back. They want to prove that they are who they think that they are and that their father was wrong about them. And as long as they look at things that way, 
uh, they'll always make decisions that are is are in the best interest of themselves and not the company that they're supposed to represent, which is a problem. Yeah, to go back to the tribute band, it's kind of like, you know, you have Queen, right? But then you have Adam Lambert, and he's stepping in as Freddie Mercury, and it's like, I, he just wants to be the lead singer of Queen, right? Yeah. And he just wants to go out there and perform and say, look at the talent that I have in this position. And like you said, if there was no Freddie Mercury, maybe this guy, you know, he could be him, but there's already been them. And, and that is like, they're fighting the ghost of their father and, and what he did before. And I think the, the most fascinating moment, dramatic moment whatever you want to call it they go up in the Wes Anderson you know little box car they go to the top of the mountain by the way never happening to me never gonna happen never gonna happen we're, we're for like, me we're going, like we go to Norway or something like that and it's like hey we're gonna go up and and see a mountain and you gotta ride <laughs> in a box on a cable to get to the top the moment I thought that I was like that's one thing I'm never gonna experience right I'm never riding on that I'm not getting on that either I don't care. I'm not even getting on the helicopter that Madsen was on I'm not getting on I'm not I'm not like that I'm from Louisiana. We right. don't ride in boxes. That's why people will talk about, hey, man, we got we go skiing with the lift. I'm, like, I'm in a hot tub when y'all come back. I'm scared of heights. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We'll play cards back we'll at the lodge. We'll play cards. Yeah. We'll do all kinds of things. Plus, <laughs> you right fall down, you. bang your knee on the skis. It's not fun. <laughs> but I, I I saw that that scene, I don't know if you're going to, if you were you going to talk about the scene where the, it's the two brothers and Matson and he's right. He's they're on the top of the mountain, and then and the Roman kind of breaks right because this is obviously all negotiating. And you talk about the professional versus mm. the personal, and obviously their father just passed away, and you can see see it affecting him. They call he called Matson calls Logan a prick. You know what I mean? And that kind of breaks Roman a little bit, and then he goes up and, and kind of just tells him off and says, "We're never doing this deal. We don't plan to do this deal." And then Matson kind of laughs at him and is like. You know, I, I now I see your hand, right? You played your hand. You kind of broke in front of me. But it was also this amazing moment of drama. What was the big takeaway for you there, and what do we expect to see? What did Matson? obviously he gives him a great number. They're celebrating. They're drinking champagne. But little do they know that Roman just told him, we're never going to sell to you. Yeah. And it's kind of like we know something that nobody else knows, you know, as the viewer. So that's a, that scene's brilliant to me. I think it's uh, Karen Culkin's best acting I've ever seen him do. It's one of the finest scenes in this show. It's not that they don't know that Logan is a It's that Logan just died. Right. And you flew me out here. You flew me out here. Nobody is a Well, some people are. Like, right after they die. Mm -hmm. Like, what we do is we remember what we loved about them. Right. And we remember how they affected our lives. Mm -hmm. And Roman is in that space. He's in that space of not being Logan Roy's son but just being somebody's son, period. And he's remembering the things that his dad taught him. He's remembering the fact that he's a part of a family. And he's not in the emotional space to have somebody call his dad a And the fact that you would do that, that's why he calls him a dog man, something less than human. The fact that you would do that shows, hey, you're not a real person, and I don't want to add to the power or influence that you would have because you're so you're even more than we are, and everybody who's been watching this show knows how we are, I don't want to be a part of your ascension or you having more influence or control in the world. You're just a screwed up person. And the way his mind glitched and he went directly to that was amazing. On the backside of it, though, the fact that they still lost, the fact that he had his most human moment that I've ever seen the character have, the fact that even in that moment, like Kendall, just he didn't even try to get in his way. He just went Rome. Roman went to it. That he still lost that exchange. On the backside of it, Matson still outmaneuvered him. Whatever happened between him and Shiv in the room, 
the vibes or whatever, your brother's faces, he went way up. Like, in this realm that they're in, humans don't win. Numbers do. Mm-hmm. Big, swinging who can, like, uh, institute and influence people with their control. That's what wins. That's what wins in this world. So the the most relatable we've ever seen Roman, and he took the loss. And now, for the rest of the season, we get to see whether or not uh, this sort of, this group of kids, because they're not business powers anymore, they're just children at this point, uh, can maintain their father's legacy and do right by the country, uh, the company, and their emotions at the same time, and the country itself. I misspoke, but I really spoke right. So right now, it doesn't seem like they can win. It seems like Matson, who is an amazing stand-in for Logan Roy, he really is an amazing stand-in. He for creates Logan Roy. the friction that you need, and that was really yeah. the question when Logan left. It's like, where does the drama, where does the friction come from? And mm-hmm. immediately, the last episode, it felt like almost. A little bit of purgatory as we got ready for the new run. And now, as soon as he got on screen, he has the hood up. He almost looks like a Sith Lord, right? And you go <laughs> you go and sit down with him, and you're like, oh, my God. got to get Tate on the ring reverse. <laughs> see, I, see, Tate, you're so – Tate, you're goddamn so varied. You're a renaissance man. Me and Tate sit down. We watch the game. Tate's telling me about the kid. Tate knows where the kids went to junior high school at. It's like, yeah, this kid right here, like back in uh, 1999, <laughs> people were looking. I'm like, what the f- is going on? And now you know about I know you know about Sith Lord Stater. Yeah. You a closet nerd? I got I got my Mandalorian helmet right up there. Oh, look at. Brought that from home. Tate, I, know, I know the new season wasn't the best, but, you know, first season got Tate, my why heart. Don't you, why don't you come into the circle of I'm nerds? in. No, you're all not. <laughs> no, because you talk about cool you're outside on the periphery of nerddom because right. you know so much about basketball and all of that <laughs> stuff. You tell me, you hang out with a lot of cool people and we mm. talk about it. Just come over, Tate. Just be one of us. I, I'm over. I'm there. You I'm sure? right there. Yeah, I'm in. You I'm sure? in the circle. I'm in the circle. Of but look how, look how I'm dressed as a pair to you. I know. Like, you got a blazer on. Like, right. you're a real person. Look, mm. I'm a 43-year-old man. Look at me. Like a, like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm anyway. trying to get like you. <laughs> That's all it is. I'm trying to get like you. Um, all right. One last thing before we move on from succession. Sure. Uh, we got the updated odds we had Kendall and Roman you and I both were on them um I think there's there's two there's kind of the the road less traveled there's diverging paths that are happening on the show if they do not sell obviously Kendall and Roman are the favorites true but if they do sell I think we pretty much assured the fact that Roman is not going to be involved in in the new that's he's done right he's done after what he said to Madsen Kendall I think for you know maybe there's a chance he's in there but I don't think package deal I, yeah, maybe they're a package deal. Maybe they stay together. Yeah. But I think Shiv is the one. Like you said, they had their little meeting. Is Shiv right now kind of the under-the-radar dark horse if this if the sale does go through to take over? Man, I'll tell you one thing. If the sale goes through and Shiv heads up the company under Matson, that is such a monumentally messy situation. Mm. Uh, but I, you'd have to say so, right? It's certainly not going to be Tom. Tom has been neutered in one of the most spectacular ways. They just find new ways to cut his n- off every single scene um, <laughs> that he's in. Uh, but, yeah, it seems like she will be right there. There's something between them. The scene that she shared with Matson, uh, where she essentially used her media savvy to work her, her way into his inner circle. And, you know, she's got some blood on him, literally and figuratively. You know, she knows something. She's got some skin in the game. So you think that if the sale goes through, it's the odds are 
way in Ship's favor that she would be the top the top dog there, right? Yeah, and Greg showed his face to Madsen for the first time, and then you know Madsen made some jokes about them, you know, all all being a part of a family. Mm-hmm. And we also saw Greg try to curry favor with the family, right? Greg has seen that Tom has been snipped. And he's saying, okay, the guy that I'm under doesn't necessarily track right now, so I'm going to go try to get back in the family. He's talking about the, the quad gods. He's talking about you know the, the Roy Patrol, right? He's trying to make sure that he's all <laughs> locked in with them, uh, trying to figure out a nickname at the same time. Is there a chance that Greg also is in the conversation? Because I think Madsen liked Greg. I, I think he you liked think his, Madsen liked Greg? I think he liked his answer. I think he liked that he read The Economist. Um, <laughs> at this point, Greg is starting to – just really so look here's the thing about uh, thing about greg we talked about it before i never knew kind of where greg fit in but greg is becoming one of the most cringe characters in any show ever the quad squad roy patrol situation was just like fantastic (laughs) to me i don't know i think as 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 we move forward greg's uh viability in the actual company itself i feel it waning okay so in terms of the Matson situation, it's either going to be uh, any of those Norse gods that he had sitting at the table with him while they were uh, hanging out, um, or he's gonna he's gonna keep shift. It was interesting to see at the end of the show, though, just whose head was on the chopping block in terms of the list right. that came out. It was very Robert California. Who's on the list? You know, who, who, who's in there? <laughs> and she and you know that she curated that list. Mm-hmm. So that tells you right there that she's probably in a good state in a good position to have some leadership stake there. And it also showed that Tom probably will work under her, right? If yeah. if it does go through, which I think that'll be a nice role reversal of power where her ex-husband, you know, by all intents and purposes now has to suck up to her the same way he was her father. Yeah. I think that she's going to get some joy out of that if I had to guess. <laughs> Quickly before we let you get out of here, we got to talk NBA Finals because okay. um, I know you know basketball. We love talking basketball. We got the Finals odds um, right now. Who's the safest bet in your opinion? We got the Celtics are the favorite plus two fifty, Bucks plus three fifty, Suns plus four ten. Who is the safest bet to win the NBA championship right now? Because it Boston. feels like a lot of questions. Boston, okay. Boston to me. Yeah, uh, Boston is a team that doesn't have uh, injury concerns. Boston is a team that's basically intact. From the finals run that they had last year, uh, Robert Williams is is healthier, I Mm -hmm. feel like, this year than he was last year. Um, They've added Malcolm Brogdon. Six man of the year. Six man of the year. So I think the surest, safest bet is Boston. The only reason why I wouldn't say – obviously, you know, Milwaukee has injury concerns. 76ers has injury concerns. Milwaukee has magnificent injury concerns. Only reason why I wouldn't say Denver is because Denver is still an unproven commodity in the playoffs. However, it's different now. They have a full team. They have Jamal Murray back. They have uh, Michael Porter Jr. playing uh, playing well. He's healthy. Um, and of course, anytime you add Harold Bryant to a team, you're going to become a juggernaut. But it, 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 for them, they still have things to prove. Boston's made deep playoff runs before, not just even you know when they made it to the finals. They've been to the Eastern Conference Finals before. If you look at all the teams that are playing well right now, they're the safest bet if you ask me. All right, so on the flip side, what's the craziest bet, right? So there's some people that still believe in the Lakers. They're plus 2,000. You know, a lot of Knicks fans are talking. They're saying we like our squad. We like Josh Hart. We like Jalen Brunson. They're plus 3,500. Maybe you like the Kings, plus 3,900. I personally kind of like the Warriors at plus 850. But what's the craziest bet? I like the Warriors at plus 850. I like the Warriors. I like the Warriors to, like, really dig down and use the 
the the veteran laden team, the veteran chemistry that they have to kind of make a push. However, the Warriors have shown that even at full strength, they cannot figure out what they're doing on defense, which is the difference between this team and teams in, in years past. Um, the Knicks are interesting. I really feel like if Julius Randle was playing in a way that was even on maybe a ninth or 10th grade level, then they could potentially be a very scary team in the, the, the East. Mm-hmm. But without him being able to figure out his game in the playoffs, which seems to be a trend now, I don't really feel like they're that much of a threat to the other teams if healthy. Although, people are going to hate and call me a homer. I think the the Lakers are a legitimate threat to make the finals. I really do. I think the Lakers are a legitimate threat. When you look at the road that they have to go, obviously any any you know matchup that they would have in the Western Conference Finals would be tough. When you look at the road that the Lakers have to, to go – an e- a more favorable road for them, uh, and the fact that they're playing pretty well right now. Um, they have... Two- and I mean, if Anthony Davis plays like he did in the last game, he's the best player on the court pretty much in every series that they go through. Maybe him versus Curry, right, is a conversation, but AD is at that level when he is at that level. AD playing well, getting big contributions from guys like Austin Reeves, who is a legitimately good NBA player. I called him the American Luka Doncic. <laughs> Wow. So he's addicted to sweet tea. Um, um, no, so like, I really do feel like the, the Lakers have uh, like a good chance, I mean, definitely to be in the West Finals, but maybe to sneak into to sneak into the finals uh, if things go right for them. I like it. I like it. Well, he is Van Lathan. The podcast is Higher Learning. Van, thanks so much for coming on the show. We'll have you back. We'll talk succession. We'll talk some basketball. Maybe some Star Wars. Yeah, we point. got a whole lethal weapon thing going on. Right, right. I mean, I'm I having call fun. You, I wouldn't call you Mel. I don't want to call you. Everybody <laughs> knows call how I feel. Mel. Why Mel? But we got a whole thing going on. This is working for me, yeah, Tate. I like it. I All like right. it. Appreciate you, Van. <laughs> no problem.